Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Oh, hey there. Welcome back, Solar Warrior. Happy Friday. I love the Friday crowd. You are such committed, infinite learners. Hey, if you're unfamiliar, we call this Flashback Friday, and it's my way of giving you a glimpse back at something we did recently that I think you should have a listen to. Whether it's content from one of our many live events, like the SPI Podcast Lounge, or perhaps a replay of older archived episodes that have garnered thousands of downloads, or maybe just a glimpse at what was published on the podcast this last week. This is yet one more way that you can learn and grow with us here on Suncast. Remember, you can always find the resources and learn more about today's guests, recommendations, etc. on the blog at mysuncast.com. So get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation here on Suncast. All right, we are live once again here at the Podcast Lounge. We're starting a session that I think you're going to find very interesting, in particular if you've been reading in the news that fires are uh, in contention on Walmarts between that big company and another big name in our industry. Uh, We want to really look underneath the problem and address some of the uh, underlying causes, right? So we have an illustrious panel here. I want to first thank Shoals Technology Group for being a session sponsor and a podcast sponsor here at the Podcast Lounge. We've also got Suncast Media and Radiant Reit as the title sponsors for the Podcast Lounge. We're going to roll into this, uh, into this session with Ben Macias, the VP of Sales at Shoals Technologies, Dean Solon, the founder and chief Poobah, Grand Bottle Poobah. washer. Yeah, bottle washer at Shoals Technologies. We've got Aaron Adams of Bonsai Solar, founder, chief, everything officer. And we got Brandon Mathis, the head of quality and procurement. Well, the, uh, he's in the quality and procurement for NG. We are going to unpack some of the underlying assumptions and uh, assessments that need to be made in uh, overall within this, this macro problem. But I do want to start with really defining the problem. And for that, I'll hand it off to you, Ben. We were talking about uh, this general idea. It's kind of, this kind of spurred from a po- uh, LinkedIn post. So I'd love yeah, for you to yeah. kind of set the stage for us. Yeah. So uh, this is an issue that we've been battling for a good 10 years plus uh, of the term or phrase MC compatible. Um, and it, it happened probably eight to 10 years ago as there was a shortage for the original uh, multi-contact connector, now rebranded as Stobly MC4 connector, uh, which necessitated the need for others to come into the game, uh, producing their own c- connectors. So what we then saw at that point was uh, the phrase MC compatible or MC4 compatible on the module data sheets. And it's been uh, very prevalent yeah. uh, 
uh, in what we see today. And effectively what that means is this is a connector that was made to be able to mate with a multi-contact connector. That now, is correct. Now, so for those who are unfamiliar, uh, well, let's, Aaron, you worked at Trina, right? So you worked at a module manufacturer. Well, how did MC become the standard for connections at solar panel at, solar panel at level? I, I, th- I think that's a really good question. I mean, I've worked with uh, several uh, module manufacturers, SunPower, uh, BP Solar, Trina. Um, so I've had a lot of experience, but I don't really think that this was something that was uh, that any level of detail was put into in the manufacturing process. This was, hey, you're an installer. you got to figure out what the problem is, and it's up to you. Mm-hmm. So we really, and that was 2010 with Trina and since then, but in it, working with all these manu- manufacturers, you know, there's uh, all kinds of speculation on what's the proper mating, what is the proper specification. So I don't think we've really come to a industry determination on what is the correct mating of module connector with what is your field application. Yeah. Dean, you guys have an, an entire business around manufacturing and helping customers select the entire balance of systems so that you can create the highest level of quality, the best uh, overall delivery system for the electricity on the site. How has this, uh, this problem manifest itself for your client base? Well, when we uh, we started around 2003, uh, building uh, junction boxes for First Solar, and we ran into there was not many connectors that were available on the market in 2003. So we had hooked up with MultiContact to develop the MC3, then going into the MC4. Mm-hmm. Even back in the MC3 days, there was uh, companies that were knocking off the MC3, and people yeah. were intermating them. And we were finding a lot of rooftops at the time that were starting to catch fire. Uh-huh. And they were blaming the wire. They were blaming those standards yep. on what type of wire because some people were using nearly house wires and all that. But then as MC4 changed, uh, and multi-contacts connector became um, the industry standard, like Ben said, the, the volume of people using that connector went up and multi-contact couldn't handle the volume that was needed, so all the knockoff players jumped in. The problem that occurred was to uh, save money, a lot of these connector companies, third-party connector companies, would use different materials to manufacture the connector, especially in the terminal. Multi-contact uses copper. We saw other manufacturers using phosphorons, which is a small little 10, 5-volt uh, connector that's used in laptops okay. being used for high-voltage DC. We saw people using steel terminals, brass terminals. Brass and copper does a great job. Uh-huh. Everything else is big trouble because what you have is dissimilar metals plugging in to get together. Right. They, uh, they basically will corrode and eat each other mm. through galvanic action. Mm-hmm. And once that joint oxidizes, the, the DC will arc across that joint and catch fire. So for people just to save money and you know worry about bottom line profit, they put it cheapest stuff they could into those connectors and then in there started mating with multi-contact and it's been going on since 2003 it yeah. goes on till this date yeah. yeah yeah i remember there's been uh, you know i remember the first sort of fire i was aware of i believe it was on a target in california and it dates back to 2010 2011 time frame right Stockton. as we see 
yeah. Stockton, California. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yes. I know that site very yeah. well. And yep. and they it, they originally said, oh, it was an arc fault, right? But mm-hmm. nobody really looked at what what's the underlying issue that creates that arc fault. Not no, nobody, but expansion fittings. Yeah, it certainly that came didn't. down to expansion fittings, right? We yes, we unfortunately. We didn't allow for the float, and we um, assembled that right to the parapet wall, and yep. that's where the rule, you know, that's where the NEC code change for expansion fittings every 150 feet. Yep. So that was a direct result of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so there's a so there's a went, plethora of... Yeah, so what I'm pointing yeah. to is that while, while there is a, a definite concern around exactly how we're mating the wires, there are a plethora of concerns that we have writ, writ large in the industry around quality control around ensuring that systems are built the proper way. You know, one of the things, Matt, uh, Brandon Mathis has been a, an installer for more than, for a decade plus now, right? Uh, down in Texas and now all over the world with NG. As a quality and procurement advisor, what are some of the symptoms that you see? <laughs> what are some of the symptoms you see uh, when you are called in to evaluate projects for quality? Yeah, I think before I answer that, I'd like to move that from this podcast forward, the industry does away with the term MC4 compatible or MC compatible. I think that's... All those in favor? Aye. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm actually on another panel tomorrow. That's the topic for two hours. Yeah, yeah it's low-hanging fruit, which means it's the easiest thing to address, and yeah. it's on cut sheets of every major module manufacturer in the world right now that, that we see, and it's a yeah, it would be an easy fix. We're so. actually calling out cut sheets tomorrow in our presentation of different module makers that say MC4 compatible. Yeah, if you need somebody to sit in, let <laughs> me know. Fantastic. Please join um, us. Yeah, so quality, you know, I look at it, we've got a dual-sided, um, dual-sided issues, right? Like, so I have a role in supply chain, mm-hmm. um, and then I have a role in quality, uh, quality control and enforcement. So we set the standards that our installation partners use and then enforce them in the field. Um, and so on the supply chain side, you know, you get a cut sheet that's MC compatible, right? And in many cases, we don't know what shows up uh, from, from overseas. And uh, if you're going to enforce a quality product, like how do you find a connector that you've never heard of before and get it to 30 sites within the next two months so that you're not paying uh, delay damages to your contractors, right? Like we're supplying the connector. We want it to be like with like, or in this case, MC with MC, and you got to go find something and bring it in, right? And that's, that's one major problem. On the installation side, it's, uh, yeah, you could look at that lawsuit that, that Solar City put out and write a case study, and you can send that out to your foreman, anybody that's doing quality control. But, you know, we, we have a zero tolerance policy, and unfortunately, you know, we've had to have megawatts of connectors torn out and redone post fact which you know is not it's not skin off our back other than if it's a scheduling issue or a problem but the people that did it inadvertently because their supplier said this is compatible it's a major problem right to rip this stuff out so do you guys see ben what did you want to tag on there uh i just wanted to say a lot of times uh the goals of an epc are different from the goals of an owner so you know epcs tend to only have a one or two year cliff for warranties. Yep. Well, you know, that's when j- things just start to happen. It's when the fun start. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. then at, at that point, they're off the hook. Right? Yeah. So now it's the owner's responsibility to fix these problems. And ultimately, we're leading to downtime. 
and other issues that, that come up on the site. Yeah, so. no, I absolutely agree. It's, 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 a, it's almost a competitive space between the developer and the EPC. Developer has liquidated yeah. damages. Yeah. The EPC has a set schedule, and, and you're, 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 you're tearing at each other to get to the end and game and, yeah. and and that's part of the it's part of the legacy issue with a lot of these operations. Yeah. Right. I like to I like to view the wire and the connectors as like the veins of the system. So, you know, without the veins, there is no system. Without the connectors being, you know, properly done, there's no there's no power flow, right? right. So, if they're not done right, the first time you're going to have issues down the they road. They are critical path, they're right? Critical path. It's a 25 cent critical path item. So, but I'm yeah. going to have to correct you because it's the arteries taking it the veins are bringing it back we don't want any backflow (laughs) yeah and i would say like as the owner like how do you know if you're not doing 100 percent inspection on every site and looking at every connector on site i mean that's that's a completely other another challenge in and of itself so there's two paths right so there's field installed and then there's factory installed right so field installed we know that we're going to get different crimp forces from every single person that's installing on the site and they're going to do that for eight hours a day. You're not going to get the same crimp force from the same person over and over and over on, the, on all these connections. And then you have a factory side where it's a controlled environment. And you just need to make sure things are calibrated and they're QA, QC checked. And we have you know, FAT tests and crimp tests and all these things that we have that we stockpile over the years so that you know, if something does happen, we can go back and look and say, hey, yeah. This wasn't this wasn't an issue. So. Yeah, our, ours are a controlled environment. It's an absolute requirement of our inspection process, and that's on you know a half a gigawatt a year for for my tax equity shop at the very least. And I am responsible for making 100% inspections on those connections. So I see those deviations all day, even with that you know third party involvement. Uh, just due to the rapid constraint of the manufacturing and the delays in schedule. So, and they're forced to make it up. So, even with that controlled environment, you, I still see the one-offs, and, and they're, 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 they're more prevalent than you'd think. Yeah, no, agreed. I, I would say that the biggest thing that we have to tackle here is getting rid of, like Brandon said, MC4 or MC4 compatible on the module data sheets, and it starts at the top. So, we need those module manufacturers to step up to the plate it's okay if you put in a different connector. We're, there's, there yeah. needs to be multiple Agreed. connectors. Yeah. But not. you just have to put the right the module manu- the connector manufacturer with the, the part number of the connector that's being used. Yeah, and we've I mean, this is an international challenge, right? Because we Yes, because Global. we've seen surprise when we call the module manufacturer and say, what is this connector? We need an installation manual and a source for the tooling and the connectors. And they're... And not in every case, but in some cases, they're surprised that we care, I, I guess I would say. All and those tools are different too, right? So yeah. you have to yes, get the they same are. one. Everybody bitches that MC tools are expensive. They're expensive for a reason it's because when it makes that crimp, it's going to be done correct. Where you have somebody that has a knockoff MC part, they'll crimp it with whatever crimpers in their box. And the crimp could be too loose or too tight. Either I'm, way, I'm that crimp's going to fail. I'm crying and laughing as you say that. <laughs> right? If, if the crimp is too loose, the joint oxidizes, the joint fails. If it's over-crimped, it's going to fail from a stress crack. Eventually, it's going to arc out. And so you're going to have failure. fires. And if yes. they don't seal the gland, you'll get water intrusion as it, well. And if you forget to t- tighten the gland to the rec- correct torque, because on a gland, you could over- or under-tighten just yeah, the right. same. And that, yeah. that's a problem with some of these other brands as well. Is MC, as an example, gives you clear direction on how. But you have others that the direction is just tighten it. 
right? And that doesn't yeah. that doesn't work for for a company like that's that's not a documentable quality control point I can inspect, right? So one of the things I want to throw out, but Brian's not here, is uh, on a slow week we'll process about two million MC connectors a week mm. since two thousand three. That's a slow week. We've we're, we've approached or we've hit a billion pairs of MC4s and have not had one warranty claim ever in that whole entire time frame. Respect. That, that's how you know it's worth the extra couple of pennies to do it right and know it's never going to fail. The MC4 other thing you'll have is you have a module maker who will make his own connector, mm. right? And he said, oh, yeah, it's UL listed. The problem is he used a 14-gauge piece of wire on the end of that module. That connector was tested with that 14-gauge piece of wire, which it's listed. But then when you need to install that module in the field, you need 10-gauge and you need 8-gauge connectors. Well, they don't have them. But people will assume, oh, their connector is listed, UL listed. But it's not listed for the gauge. They will still take that 14-gauge crimp and put a 10-gauge or an 8-gauge and that, that connector fails like mad. Yeah, that, that's a big problem that I see from uh, you know things coming into Shoals is not having that certification on the 12 gauge or four, or um, not having certification on the 10 and 8 gauge and they only have it on 12 and 14 we see it all the time and so in that particular instance you absolutely need to install you know a six inch adapter with the off-brand connector that's the same manufacturer on one side and then switch back to something that's available like an mc stobbly connector that's certified for 10 or 8 gauge yeah so you have like and like plugging in with like and like Hey, commercial solar friends, you've probably heard that 2020 starts the solar plus decade. Well, that doesn't just mean solar plus storage. It means solar plus intelligent software like DemandX, extensible energy's demand charge reduction software that inexpensively reduces demand and time of use charges by 30% without batteries or extra permitting. By including DemandX software in your proposals, you'll increase customer ROI, shorten payback times, and help close more commercial solar and storage deals. Contact Extensible Energy at extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast for a free demand charge analysis for your commercial solar project and start closing more sales in the Solar Plus decade. Get ready for comedy and fun coming in February at the inaugural Solar Comedy Slam to enter solar in San Diego. Produced by Chent Power Systems, a.k.a. CPS America, the Solar Comedy Slam will be the lit party to get 2020 started. Enjoy the shenanigans at this solar industry version of Last Comic Standing. Thanks to CPS America for bringing this fantastic idea to fruition. Whether you want to test your comedic metal or just get a good laugh at the expense of your industry colleagues, this will be a must-attend event at InterSolar. Get your tickets or your spot in the lineup at SolarComedySlam.com. Again, that's SolarComedySlam.com. Brian, actually, in our our banter over LinkedIn and email just discussing this very topic, suggested that there may, in fact, be an issue related at, at a much more critical level with the NEC code and the implications of this cross-mating. What, what do we know about whether or not this is a, a real uh, an issue that can be addressed? And I'm sure this is something you guys are going to talk about on the PV Roundtable tomorrow, but 
What is this? I mean, are there real implications to the NAC code and compliance? Uh, there is, um, but I think it needs to go further than that. And it's just a level of education that we need to have with all the installers out there because I don't know if it's ignorance or they just, you know, just don't have the time. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to install whatever they have on their, on their shelf. And so to get the project done, they'll just install with what they have, right? So that's a big problem. Yeah, in many cases, the NEC, uh, for me, is a, is a stick that I can use where an installer is confused. They don't know what's going on, but the NEC requires that you follow manufacturer's instructions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm generally, hopefully, dealing with electricians. And if they have an issue with me telling them to replace, tear out, I can point right to the code and say, look, the code demands you follow manufacturer's instructions and you haven't. And that can be an end all for me. Now, could it be more specific and addressed maybe in 690? Absolutely. But, you know, it's covered. It's whether or not folks are reading the manual. It needs to be enforced at the AHJ level. It really does. Aaron? Well, I I just think that... um You know, I think an installer needs to see an actual arc flash. You know, I think they need to see the end result of this inferior compatibility, right? Because they're they have they have no concept of what that even is or means or what that could mean for their future in the industry. Yeah. So I think until you start pressing the actual failure. Um, it's going to fall on deaf ears, right? It's like fall protection. It's like many of the other industry um, lessons learned that we have as an industry now, until the guy falls through the skylight, there's all of a sudden there's skylight protection. And not to use that, but that potentially fire could have the same impact. So I think until it's an industry-wide conversation on what that failure looks like yeah these representatives installing in the field just don't have it conceptually in their mind they think they're performing under their design criteria uh, well, well i mean rapid shutdown is yeah. a direct result of that as well one of the things that you guys are pointing to and again i'll point back to brian uh from stobley having pointed this out the the ironic nature of this is that the misinformation comes from the manufacturers and oftentimes the distributors and even the resellers, right? But the person that ends up holding the stick, the person on the end of the phone call the when there's a problem is the installer. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Or the building owner. Or the yeah. oh, or the off sure. taker. Yeah. Yeah. I've been on quite a few roofs that have just been melted down to the to the steel structures from a PV field that just wouldn't stop. From I, I've seen it where. MC has been plugged into Amphenol or MC has been plugged into other players. And a lot of times you'll actually see the connectors that are backed off and you could actually see the O-rings visible where a year prior when they first clicked them together, they held. And then because the plastics are different, they backed off and now these connectors are open. And I I was in a roof uh, in Arizona in Phoenix that had a fire and, uh, they had a bunch of people going up on a roof that never even been on a PV field. And uh, it was raining that day in Phoenix, which is crazy. And we walked up. First, nobody wanted to wear PPE. I was the only one wearing it. Got up on the roof and smelled ozone. And I said, do you guys know what that smells? They're like, no. And you could just hear the electrical connectors arcing like crazy all over. And uh, I took a few pictures, got off that roof and said, listen, I hope nobody dies on this rooftop get off as soon as possible yeah let's get a shutdown and there's down. a bunch of stupid yeah. people that do that kind of stuff and 
they tried to tell me it wasn't the issue of the roof and then went quiet. And that's the other issue that's happening is everybody's trying to keep all this stuff as quiet as possible because the lawyers are involved. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of fires going on in the U.S., a lot Mm -hmm. of screwed up things going wrong. And nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants to brush it under the carpet. I mean, at, at, the, at the very least, as an industry, we can hold up a particular lawsuit for anybody that doesn't want to get on board with a quality install and using the right parts, right? It's, it's out there, yeah. right? Walmart filed it, you know, and I, I know a lot. Yeah. I know a lot I can't talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we Same use that. It's, kind of, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate consequence of this industry is what you can and cannot speak to. But we're all very well-informed folks here so there's no secrets but unfortunately like the Stockton Target fire right how long did that take place before the industry knew that there was this expansion fitting you know that was the root cause of the fire I think there's a lot of examples and until as an industry we really knuckle down and start sharing the lessons learned yeah. and centralize the way that we build these structures, technology agnostic, um, we all have health and safety in mind mm-hmm. as an industry. Yeah. I think it's a tremendous point. Uh, you know, Aaron, uh, you at Bonsai and uh, Brandon at NG sit in the position of signing off on these projects, right? Like in, in major ways, your job is to ensure quality installation to ensure that not only the code uh, and the standards that we have as an industry get passed down through the installers, but ensure that as a portfolio, that's being standardized across the number of installers that you're working with. How has the inspection process evolved given the, the scenarios that we're discussing? I mean, for, for us, that, that particular scenario is just another tool in the tool bag. Like, so we distribute it internally and then we distributed it externally to our installation partners. Uh, so it, it, if anything, it's, it's maybe hit home for a few of the people that haven't been paying attention. But, you know, we, we take a pretty layered approach to quality control, starting uh, at the contractual level. And then, of course, it comes down to enforcement. Um, and we want, you know, our, our installers are partners. And we want, we want that partnership uh, but we we have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to to quality control, and yeah, I mean we we demand down to the connector level that it's done done properly. So I think it hasn't changed for us, but again, it's it shows what's out there, right? To this day. So, well, I I have two gigawatts in operations that I'm currently responsible for with the same developer. So do I like to know how the plant is performing? You bet. I like to know exactly what the failures are. Not only that, we've incorporated lessons learned at the end of each project. We have full buy-in from ownership and the EPC for that analysis. So we take lessons learned and we roll that into the next 200 megawatts and the next 200 megawatts until we're building at, you know, tracker, bifacial, we have all these new technologies that we're constantly driving down price on. So those values, and we're 100% in the field. I am in the field every day overseeing the quality control of every plant. That's what I'm proud of, and it's two gigawatts of successful operations. So I think that's what it comes down to. The buy-in has to be from the top. 
Uh, I would just one last thing just on this topic is uh, we we frequently see when we ask installers for the data sheet and certification of these off-brand connectors, they oftentimes send us a TUV report, and the TUV report says this connector was tested uh, with MC, and we we did this over three samples, and you know at the very bottom, and it passed right. And, but at the very bottom of that uh, TUV report, it says this TUV report is not to be construed or used as means of certification. And a lot of the off-brand connector manufacturers were sending that out to all of the installers that they were selling these connectors to. And so you're, you're doing everybody a disservice. So a message to the module guys, change the module data sheet, take off MC compatible, take off MC4 compatible. To the guys that are making you know, off-brand connectors, great. You can do it, do it, do it right, but educate your customers so that we can protect everybody because the first time this is going to change and hopefully we, we make some drastic changes beforehand and, and it gets done beforehand because Brandon says low-hanging fruit, but we don't want to see somebody get hit with 1,500 volts because at 1,500 volts, it doesn't tickle. You <laughs> die. So we, we, uh, we don't want to see that happen. I don't think anybody in the solar wants to see that happen. That will be a terrible thing. Mathis, last words? This sounds like a topic that needs to be fleshed out further. I mean, what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing here is we need to keep keep working at this issue because it's every day being installed, probably today, right now. So, Aaron, yeah, I, I totally agree. This is this is long overdue as an industry. So, I think until we're uh, aligned in the final product and what the end game and electrical safety is, I think we've got a long ways to go. But this is a great forum. Thank you for. Putting this on, Nico, and, yes, and 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 all of the participants, Shoals, of course, Dean. I <laughs> it goes without saying, but uh, it's uh, this is uh, for me personally long overdue. Yeah. Knowing the level of failures, especially with the recent revelation, uh, we just need to be more attuned to what's going on out there. So, thank you so much. Absolutely. Any last word, Dean? Don't be stupid. Buy premium products. Build it to last 25 years plus, you won't have issues. But when you turn it to a cheapskate, you're going to lose all the profit you made by trying to handle all the lawsuits that are going to come your way. Yeah. Don't be stupid. So, Nico, the only thing I don't see here, and we got to do it next time, there's no module manufacturers Yeah, that's right. And that's where it starts. So we need to get those guys on board. We've got that. So let's make it happen. But they're not, they're never going to. Yeah. Right? See, that's the thing. They're never going to. Yeah, so sorry. They're, They're never going to join this forum. You know, they're going to have to be forced, and which is exactly what was said as, at the onset. Mm-hmm. There's going to need to be some uh, level of uh, pressure um, at the, on the module level. Yeah. They're, they're, not gonna, they're never going to volunteer. This is a measure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. When you, when you take a look at this, and this is the last comment I'll have to say, when you take a look at this in terms of cost and the connectors versus the module overall cost on a dollar, dollar basis, it's like less than 1% of the bump. Yeah. So why are we why are we going cheap? Mm. Well, this will be discussed in greater detail tomorrow at the PV Roundtable hosted by PV Magazine, where Shoals and several others will also be representing the panel, going deeper into this topic, which is a critical topic around how to control and improve the quality of installations to avoid the types of mess that we're seeing in the industry with this messy uh, with this messy uh, lawsuit. Right. So we want to thank once again Shoals Technology Group for being a session sponsor. We're going to roll right into, in just a few minutes, our interview with Dean Solon, the founder and 
Chief Grand Poobah, CEO, all those things of, uh, of Shoals. I want to thank also Brandon Mathis of NG, Aaron Adams of Bonsai, and Ben Macias of Shoals Technology for helping make this panel a reality. Thanks, Nico. Thanks for having us. Well, that's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warrior. But if you're hankering for more, you can find the resources and highlights from this and every discussion along with social media links for today's guest, book recommendations, and more on the blog at mysuncast.com. And that's also where you'll find other ways to engage with this Suncast tribe, like subscribing to our weekly emails or even joining our exclusive inner circle we affectionately refer to as the Guild. If you've been wondering how you can partner with Suncast as a sponsor, get coaching from Nico to help scale your clean energy business, transition into the solar industry, or maybe just commune with other like-minded souls, you can find all that and more online at mysuncast.com. Check out the members section of the work with me section. We keep a running list of our live events where Nico is going to be in the world. I'm referring to myself in the third person here. I do travel a lot and we tell you, generally speaking, where I'm going to be on the website. And you can also learn how to participate and learn more from Suncast. Thanks again to our sponsors who help make this podcast possible. You can learn more about them and see if it's something that you'd be interested in doing at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.